Adam, Adam's writing the agenda. Um, in the meantime, uh, thank you all for joining us again this year. Um, uh, we're post-human studios, um, so hopefully you, you, you're not here for the alt-right panel. I don't think it exists. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's up on the train tracks there. Oh, okay. Um, and, uh, Hi, everyone. This is Jack Graham. I, I, I write stuff. I'm Adam Jury. I'm a graphic designer. Rob Boyle, Eclipse Phase line developer. Uh, so thank you all for showing up here today. Um, so Eclipse Phase 2nd Edition is coming out. Did anybody not know about that? <laughs> Who backed the Kickstarter? Sweet. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks. <laughs> thank we, you. We appreciate that. Uh, so new at the show are the Quick Start Rules, which are free at the booth. I assume most everyone has checked them out. Uh, these will go online really quick next week. They'll be put up into the playtest packet that's on DriveThruRPG and also right on DriveThruRPG as a separate thing. Um, Rob, why don't you go over the broad strokes of EP2? I mean, I assume if most of you have backed Kickstarter, you're familiar that we're the changes we're making, simplifying character creation, simplifying resleeving, uh, getting rid of the aptitude modifiers, introducing pools for morphs, to represent transhuman capabilities. Uh, cut down the skill list by about half. Uh, made some significant changes to asyncs and psi uh, so that the infection is a little more omnipresent and affects how you roleplay the async. Um, we uh, kind of got rid of gear costs, so now everything has a complexity rating. Uh, so whether you're nanofabricating it or buying it with credit or using rep favors, uh, it all takes about the same amount of time to acquire, uh, trying to cut down on the shopping. Um, and that's the brief, probably the briefest summary I can give. <laughs> uh, does anyone have any questions about what's going in? Or uh, We have the, obviously we have the playtest packet up on DriveThruRPG, uh, free to download. Uh, we looking for feedback on the forums. Um, the current status of the book is we have all of the art in, well, minus one piece. One more piece and we're done. Um, and uh, the fiction is almost finished. Um, most of the source material has been written and is actually already laid out. Um, we still have some spot editing to fill in there. Um, we still have a couple of major rules sections we need to finish writing and then throw out for playtesting. Those primarily being the mesh and gear. Um, and that's what we're currently working on. We've been a little sidetracked the past couple months with Gen Con and these two fellows moving and other things. But uh, Also, don't hire the art director we hired who, <laughs> who, who <laughs> bailed on us and made us do the rest of the art direction. <laughs> It worked out fine. Yeah. Um, we have some really great art. We have a ton of new artists, uh, actually, through that art. failed yes. art director. <laughs> um, it was but, not, a, not a total fail. Yeah, just a, no, it, was, it worked out. We got to poach some people. That's yeah. good. Um, yeah. So uh, we're aiming to have it done before the end of the year. Um, obviously, we have to throw this stuff out for playtesting. Uh I was hoping to get the next playtest pack out before Gen Con. That has not happened. Uh, and honestly, I'm going to be busy the rest of the month, so it's not going to happen until September uh, at this point. Uh, so look for it in mid-September probably. Um, 
I have a lot of notes to catch up on from all the playtest comments that have been posted on the forums. There's been some good stuff, some great feedback so far, actually. Um, I think that's it. So you click, can I, who has downloaded the playtest packet from DriveThruRPG via the Kickstarter? Like, a good half of you? Um, it would be really cool if you have actually had a chance to play the game, to post some feedback on the forums, like, about the actual play experience, as opposed to just, like, I read this and think. That would be, that would be really good to get some of that. Um, especially if you are running the game for people who are not necessarily as experienced or familiar with Eclipse's first edition, because we saw, and we, we knew this would happen, one of the things that happened with the playtest feedback was it was a lot of voices who were very familiar with Eclipse phase and already had very strong feelings about it, talking about what is most important to them very loudly, and sometimes it's good to hear from people who have a little bit less experience who are newly introduced to it. Um, so that would be great. If you would take a QSR, run that with people who are new to Eclipse phase, or maybe you know, or f- passingly familiar with it and post those experiences, that would be really great. Uh, we, um, as Rob said, we we're still have some writing to do on the book, and that means we have time to incorporate feedback and time to make sure that things are right. Um, because we would rather we would rather do it as close to right as possible uh, the second time. Uh, there are a few common questions we've gotten about what we're doing with the setting in 2E. And uh, the uh, the answer is that, like with the rules, it is not a dramatic overhaul. Um, if you've got a can- an ongoing campaign, we're probably not going to be doing anything that'll mess up your continuity. Um, uh, there's a couple things that have uh, happened since we published the first edition of Eclipse Phase. Um, you know, we we started working on Eclipse Phase like. Uh, you know, it's been out since 2009, but that we, we've actually been working on it for like nine nine years now. Because obviously, we were ten, working on it before, ten, ten, yeah, ten years now. Um, and uh, and so there are a few things that have happened since then. Uh, one is there's a lot of new science that's come in about our solar system, and uh, not just about our solar system system, but there's a lot of new science that's come in in general. Um, over in the last uh, decade, as as sciences want to do, oh damn, this is why people write fantasy games because <laughs> they don't have to like <laughs> relearn everything <laughs> constantly. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, like, what, like what with the original book when it was uh, already at the printers, but before it actually came out, like we. We got scooped by science, and like it turned out that like one of the moons of Saturn we'd written up had cryovolcanoes that they hadn't known about six months before when I was writing the thing. So there's stuff like that where where we've updated it. The other thing that's happened over the last ten years is uh, obviously the political climate is uh, has shifted a bit, and there's uh, there's a lot of new things to talk about. So like when we uh, when we're uh, homing in on certain parts of the setting, you know, our you know our our perspective is going to home in on on certain things uh, a little bit more based on how the wor- the real world is now. Yeah, uh, reputation systems online on various forums and whatnot are also cropped up more since the game's been released, and it's one thing that think some people think reputation systems are good and interesting, and in reality they are gameable and horrifying and we maybe maybe we're too a little optimistic about that sort of thing 
when I wrote the original re- reputation ru- rules, I had just been to Burning Man for the first time, and I thought gift economies were so wonderful. And <laughs> now that we're seeing some more real life examples of how they sometimes play out, now uh, Jack's been to Burning Man multiple times, and no, I've only been once. But yeah, anyway, that's that's another story. We don't write facts. Okay, <laughs> that's true. I am paid to lie. Yes. Um. And uh, Meat Hab gets its own hardcover. <laughs> it's it's, it's <laughs> more like a squish cover. Yeah, it's it'll be kind of. How does that make you feel? It might get on your hands <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> on your feelers. Yep. Uh, who played an Eclipse Phase game at Gen Con this year? Yay! Who ran one? Yay! Cool. Um. So. One thing we could sorely need for next year, please, is a few more people who have experience running Eclipse Phase and are experienced with Eclipse Phase 2 once it's out to help us running games. We are always... Our games are always all sold out, um, and that's great, but we have overflow capacity that would be great to fill. And one thing we did this year is we we tried to run more games, but we lowered the number of players at the table so all those players would hopefully have a better experience because it's it's far better to be at a table of six than a table of like eight. It gets exponentially crappier with more players, unless the game's designed for that. Um, So anyone who's interested in uh, GMing next year, it would be great if you came up and talked to us now and we'll touch base with you early next year to try to iron details out. Um, we do pay our GMs and get you some swag and stuff, so we would really appreciate that if you are interested. Yep. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> did I get it all? You did, yeah, yeah, you did, you did, you did get it all. Admirable. Pretty mm-hmm. much, yeah. All no. right. And, and we have, we have like, this is not, um, this is a supply problem, not a quality problem. Like, we have, like, I think one of the best GM crews at Gen Con. Um, like we've gotten so many compliments over the years and like we also for a small company that <laughs> that doesn't have like you know a giant like Pathfinder size following we have a very uh, we have a large number of events and w- Gen Con is still asking us can you can you make more yeah they sell out right away yeah, yeah. so you couldn't get into a game. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> there was a question. Oh, I saw, I saw a hand. Any questions at this point? Any comments on anything that's been said? No. Then we will roll on to future books by Rob Boyle. <laughs> okay. Um, so obviously our priority is finishing EP2 right now. Uh, we have a few things that are... Uh, coming up in the pipeline after that, the first being a GM screen, which will have a little plot hooks booklet with it, like a bunch of little scenario ideas you can run with. Um, uh, A few other stretch goals from the Kickstarter we need to complete. Um, We have uh, NPC Files 2, which will be uh, like NPC Files 1. It will be a lot of stats for different NPCs, except we'll also have uh, specific write-ups of specific in-world characters for each of them as well. uh, after that, the main book uh, is uh, the System Gazetteer, uh, or Solar Gazetteer. We keep changing that name. Yeah. Um, and so neither of us can spell Gazetteer, right? In two <laughs> different ways, true. wrong. <laughs> um, so uh, this will kind of be replacing Sunward and Rimward. Uh, 
without rehashing the same material necessarily. We're going to be focusing a bit more on some specific habitats, uh, a little more on some specific factions, a little more slice of life type stuff. Um, uh, but it'll cover the entire solar system. Uh, then after that, the next main book will be Crime, which we've been interested in doing for a while. Uh, so that will cover criminal cartels, how technology has cha- has changed how crime functions. It'll also cover uh, things that cover count as uh, anti-social activity in autonomous areas, but aren't technically crimes because there's no legalities. Uh, so things like coercion, um, various types of coercion. Um, we have, uh, we'll be made, meeting later this year in October for our uh, yearly summit, and we'll be hashing out kind of the schedule after that. Uh, we have a few things on the horizon that we know we want to do. The exact order in which they happen will probably change. Uh, there will probably be another book focusing on gate crashing, focusing on a bunch of new extrasolar worlds uh, and things we haven't covered with gate crashing before. There will probably be a spacers book that will finally cover space combat. Pew, pew. <laughs> um, and ships and things of that nature. Um, we are looking at doing a habitat recognition guide that will cover uh, a little more how habitats work and uh, also have specific maps and layouts of different types of habitats. Um, what am I forgetting? Um, a few more no, things. Nothing, nothing big, but there were some other uh, there were some other things related to the Kickstarter and sketch goals that there's I could go over. Yeah, there's yeah. Some. So we've got, um, first of all, um, there was one stretch goal that we never delivered from the Transhuman Kickstarter, which was a set of flowcharts as playaids. Um, those almost made it into the last playtest packet and will be released uh, for as a second ed thing. So everybody who bagged either either Kickstarter is going to get the uh, the flowchart play aids. Um, then uh, we've got uh, one adventure that got backed as part of the Kickstarter. That's uh, that's uh, Xenovore, um, which uh, was an adventure that we were about this close to releasing for 1E, and then we were like, eh. so we're just going to convert the mechs to 2E and, and get that out to y'all. And... Um, I was still planning on doing that uh, with like uh, I think we were going to do. Uh, we we were also talking about releasing a fate version of it um, of Xenovore? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll be releasing a fate version of Xenovore as well um, in the, the fate size. Yep, as uh, PDF and print on demand. And then there's your Whispering Muse, which is another stretch goal that got backed uh, during the Kickstarter. This is a book that we've all wanted to do for a while. We have slightly different. Um, uh, things in our heads when we when we dream of this book, but that's okay because it's an anthology of of curiosities and oddments. And yes, we did talk to Wolfgang Bauer, and we were like, "Hey, we're going to make this book called Your Whispering Muse because because Your Whispering Your Whispering Homunculus is one of like the coolest fantasy supplements ever." And he was like, "What did he say?" He was like, "Basically, okay, that would be great." And yeah. I'm like, "Cool. Do you want to write one of them?" And he's like, "I'm real busy." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And Wolfgang's right because he's like he's got that hair and he's like got that hunted look and he's like I'm busy. <laughs> she didn't look like that on Facebook. Oh, well, then like, um, anyway. yeah. So your whispering muse, it's going to come out in really small installments, and then we're going to compile them into print books that'll be like 24 to 32 pages every every eight installments or so. We're gonna we're gonna try that. We're gonna see how it works. Um, and because these are very short pieces, they're going to be. 1,500 to 2,500 words, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, 
we are going to be using it to try out new authors. So if you've been like, I, I have something for Eclipse Phase that I'd like to share. I have this idea. I have this specific interest. Then we will at some point be soliciting very short, like, 50-word pitches for them. And then we will be hiring a bunch of people to write those. Um, and because we'll be releasing eight at a time, we'll probably be uh, contracting, like, ten or eleven at a time. Just because of the way deadlines tend to work and whatnot. So we'll have a little bit of a backlog. Um, Sprite's been writing things here for me. All right. We also have the uh, Scott Fox music album as a stretch goal for the Kickstarter. And I'm really happy to say that um, that album's done. It is in our hands, um, and it is really good. So we will be releasing that to the Kickstarter backers, I think probably early September, um, just to give us a little bit of time to recover from Gen Con. And then it'll be out for sale to the public a little bit after that. Um, if you find me at the booth and you have an NFC-capable phone and you scan the chip in my hand, you'll get a preview, secret preview, like to two of the tracks. <laughs> iPhones can't do it. iPhones can't do it. Really? Oh, sad iPhones. <laughs> I wonder why. Sad. Sad as Apple. <laughs> and if you can't find Rob at the booth, you can find him right here after That's the true. seminar. Um, I'm going to run out of the room. You'll have to catch me. <laughs> uh, next year, we hope to release our first uh, like Adventure Path-style campaign for Eclipse Phase. So we'll be doing probably three adventures per in the first path, um, and the first one will most likely focus on kind of like the, the onboarding experience for Firewall. So it will be aimed at introducing newer players to the concepts of both the game and the setting kind of piece by piece um, to address one of the, the common concerns of like, this game is... Real, or this universe is really cool. I don't know how to play the game. I don't know where to start. So we're gonna we're gonna work on addressing that. And people have been asking for years. Like, when are you gonna do things that are more campaign length? So we're gonna work up to that with an adventure path or two, and uh, see where see where that lies. Um, we have another introductory style adventure called Overrun, which will be also be released at some point. And that might be done for Free RPG Day 2018 because we'll be releasing another, we'll be releasing a revised version of the Quick Start for Free RPG Day next year, um, which will go out to stores and then like a month after that we'll have it available directly. So, one of the main focuses for like the EP2 schedule to begin with is giving people more accessible routes into the game. We have a great fan base. Pretty decently sized fan base for the size of company, but now we're at the point where we're like, okay, now we need to do the hard work of growing it, and well, EP2 is the perfect opportunity to be doing that sort of stuff. I think that pretty much wraps up product related stuff for at least the until the end of 2018. Mm-hmm. So, any questions about those books or any ideas or just yell at us. <laughs> I, I believe we're opening the floor is what Adam is saying. <laughs> if you get back to Kickstarter, when uh, are you expecting to have the book uh, So, yeah, the... Just the main core book for a second. The, the, we want the core book to be out by the end of the year, so the electronic version will be a bit before that. And we will probably do the thing where we're like, here's the, the last-minute electronic version... Please find any last-minute typos, any 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 awful mistakes we might make before we send it to press. We'll have a, a week or so for that. 
Um, but we do want to get the books out by the end of the year. Well, actually, we have to because if we don't, we get a, we're going to get hit with a huge tax bill for <laughs> Kickstarter money. So we have a candle. We have a big flame under our asses on that. Yeah. Cracker kit pre-orders. And we will be. Um, like later in September, we'll open up backer kit so people can rectify their shipping and can figure out exactly what add-ons you want and that sort of thing, and where other people will be able to jump into the campaign too. But we we pushed back doing that to spend more time working on the book because the, the book's the most important thing right now, and those of you who have already backed the Kickstarter have already given us money for it, so that's the priority. Right there. So I'm interested in what other sort of games are in this hard sci-fi transhumanist space. Um, I was wondering, uh, The Expanse seems to have been really successful as a TV show. Has there been any rumblings in the industry about people doing a RPG adaptation of that? Green Ronin actually announced at Gen Con that they're doing an Expanse RPG. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And and we're <laughs> we're kind of thankful for The Expanse because like. It's a TV show that is kind of like EP, which was something that didn't exist when we started making the game. Mm-hmm. So, so it makes it a little bit easier yeah. to explain. <laughs> yeah, and we've definitely gotten like referrals from like, oh yeah, I heard about The Expanse and my friend told me about EP and I really like EPs. So that's been good. We were, we were gonna, uh, maybe take a shot at getting that license after EP was in the can and yeah. uh, Green Running scooped us. So. <laughs> we have some other licensing ideas that We'll see if they pan out down the line. <laughs> yeah, licensing is a, a difficult subject as a, as a small company. It can it can go slowly, and there's 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 more risk in licensed stuff than in making your own stuff. Anything else? So, um, I tried uh, a bit of the big stuff that you had running in the group. And notice that you've changed quite a bit of the uh, rules for second um, Mostly to streamline it. Is there any details you can kind of on what um, significant changes have been made? There's a place to make it and download it. So, like the stuff I went over at the beginning. Um, so our priority was simplifying character creation. So uh, instead of spending a thousand points, um, made it a package buy system. Um, and uh, the new version of the rules also has it so that you do not uh, purchase your morph in character creation anymore. Now morphs are assigned. Uh, the GM basically has a pool of morph points they assign for each scenario, uh, and then you use those points to uh, to purchase morphs, uh, morph traits, or possibly extra gear. Um, and that allows the GM to kind of, uh, you know, um, say if they're throwing you into a harder scenario, maybe they'll give you more points so you can actually afford a Reaper because you wouldn't normally be able to afford a Reaper. Uh, or if they want to make it difficult for you, maybe they cut it down to only giving you four, two or four morph points or something so you're stuck in case morphs for the adventure. Um, so it, it gives the GM a little more control over uh, the difficulty level they throw at you that way. Um, but uh, aside from character creation, our main second major point was fixing, uh, making resleeving easier. 
So that meant getting rid of the aptitude modifiers that all the morphs had, because that required you to recalculate all of your skills. Uh, but the aptitude modifiers were what really made each morph distinct. Uh, so in order to make the morphs distinct from each other, we had to come up with a new mechanic uh, to actually represent those transhuman capabilities the morph gave you. Um, so that's where we came up with the pools. Uh, so we kind of took Moxie pool and split it down into, you know, a mental pool, a physical pool, a social pool, and a wildcard pool um, uh, called uh, Insight, Moxie, Vigor, and Flex. Um, and those function like how Moxie pool used to work. You can flip-flop the dice. You can add a modifier before you roll. Um, you can uh, ignore all negative modifiers, things like that. Uh, so for the for the three mental, social, physical, those only apply to linked skills to those pools. Flex can be used for anything, um, and then each of those three specific pools uh, for uh, give you a um, specific ability kind of uh, special options. So vigor pool, for example, you can use to go first in the combat turn. You can take an extra physical action in combat. Uh, you can ignore a wound. Insight, you can take an extra mental action. You can uh, acquire a clue where you're in a situation where your skills have failed you. Uh, for Moxie, you can ignore the effects of a trauma. You can uh, ignore the need to make an infection rating roll if you're in async, uh, things like that. Uh, for Flex, you are allowed to uh, get, you can gain some narrative control. So you can introduce a minor object or a piece, uh, NPC or environmental feature to a situation. So if you're like, I want a chandelier here so that my character can swing on it, you can spend a point of flex and suddenly there's a chandelier there. The GM always kind of has the capability to overrule that if it doesn't fit, uh, doesn't really apply. Um, but it gives some the players some more options there. But um, yeah, if you're like, if, if you're, you know, if you've got characters who are like under fire and they're like, crap, why didn't we bring a smoke grenade? Yeah. Like, they can just be Whoops. like, all right, I spend the flex, I have one smoke grenade. And, you know, and that doesn't, you know, bork the game balance too badly, but it also gets around sort of uh, the problem that a lot of games that are gear-centric have of uh, sort of punishing people for not thinking to have the right piece of gear with them. Um, if you enjoy punishing players for this, uh, I don't know, but... <coughs> Keep playing one e, <laughs> or or ignore that rule or tweak it. But uh, you know we 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 found that it uh, I've I found that it 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 gives it gives a nice little edge to players who are like quick on their feet uh, or can think quickly on their feet, and it gives them like a like a lever to pull that lets them you know use that. Um, other changes on the percentile mechanics side speed. Uh, well, that's part of it. We, we eliminated speed stat, so it's part of, you know, you have to use vigor or insight to get those extra actions now. Um, so that gets rid of a lot of those problems that speed always had. Um, on the percentile mechanics side, we uh, eliminated margins of failure and success, uh, replaced it with a kind of uh, simpler 3366 rule, we're calling it. Um, so the idea is that when you're making a roll, you're, you know, you're trying to roll over your, under your skill but as high as possible. If you roll under your skill but get over 33, you get a superior success, so you get a little bit of an extra bonus. So in, in combat, you'll do a little bit of extra damage. If it's a time frame action, you'll reduce the time frame a little bit, things like that. Um, if you get under your skill but over 66, 
uh, you get two superior successes uh, to kind of double the effect. Uh, and that's something that's pretty easy to eyeball when you're rolling the dice. Uh, and it works the opposite way for failures. So if you fail and get under 66 or fail and get under 33, it's double. Um, although the failures you can usually ignore a lot of the time because failure is usually bad enough. Um, uh, what else did we change? We cut down the skill list by half. Uh, so the skill list is pretty heavily condensed. Uh, we condensed all the uh, academics and profession and interest skills into one single no skill. Um, <coughs> there's only one gun skill. Yeah, there's only one gun skill. There's only one melee skill. So spray weapons, seeker weapons, um, flaying weapons, uh, weapons that shoot shrapnel at a planetary scale. Um, <laughs> like Those are all pretty much... Uh, I'm stealing that from you from earlier. Uh, those, those are all pretty much uh, covered by the gun skill. And then, like, if you want to beat on someone with a sharp thing or a blunt thing or the blunt things on the ends of your arms or whatever, like, it's all it's all melee. And Speaking of melee, we added a couple of weapons to make... I mean, melee sucks in a transhuman setting, especially when people have pretty awesome armor, uh, but we did add a few things, like, in the vein of uh, kind of historical settings where you had knights running around covered in plate mail, and how it was actually kind of hard to hurt them, you know, unless you kind of jabbed your pointy thing in the right spot uh, pretty hard, uh, so we have some, like, uh, piston spikes and piston spears that added to kind of pierce armor in that way, um, but melee still sucks, honestly. Uh, yeah, we we were kind of looking at it, and we we realized that the like the technological situation for melee combat in Eclipse Phase is very similar to like the 14th century uh, knightly situation, where everybody was like in friggin' steel armor, and like if you couldn't get your sword like right into somebody's neck under their gorget, like you probably wouldn't like like dur- like during the 14th century, a lot of the fights between armored knights. Like, they didn't end with, like, mighty sword cuts or anything. Like, it turned into a dirty wrestling match on the ground where somebody put a a dagger through somebody else's visor. And, like, Eclipse Phase is a similar thing where, like, there's awesome body armor that the weapons have have trouble getting through. So we've fixed that a little. (laughs) Let's see. Other changes to action and combat. Um... We, uh, so you no longer can take two shots when you're firing semi-auto or burst fire. That was a little bit overkill. So we just cut that out entirely. I'm actually surprised no one has complained about that in the playtest forums. I expected a little bit of pushback on that, and everyone seems cool with it, which is great. Um, so uh, other stuff. Um, I think we streamlined a little bit how uh, wounds and trauma work in conjunction with each other. Um, so... Uh, we got rid of the, temp- the uh, derangement type stuff and we streamlined the disorders a little bit. So now, like, you know, if you take one wound, you have to make uh, a test for knockdown. If you get two wounds at once, you have to make a test to fall unconscious. It's the same with, more or less, with trauma. If you take one wound, you might be temporarily confused. If you take two, you are facing an acute stress response. So fight, flight, or uh, go catatonic, basically. Um, we also added specific trigger conditions for some of the disorders, and we added uh, basically minimum stress that might be applied from stru- some stressful situations. So it's not necessarily like uh, succeed-fail all the time. You might always take some stress no matter what the situation is. Um, i trying to think if there's anything else there I'm missing. 
I don't think mm-hmm. so. Um, with uh, Psy and Asyncs, uh, so the main change there was we added a, an infection rating that all Asyncs have. Um, so every time you have a baseline infection rating that's based on the amount of, uh, of Psy slights you have, uh, Psy chi slights, um, and uh, every time you use a Psy gamma slight, uh, you have to make your infection rating goes up and you have to make an infection rating test. This is actually a success test for the infection. Uh, the async makes the roll because they're the one, the, that player is the one that has it, but it's a success res- test for the infection to try to basically have an influence over your character. Um, and kind of the idea we had is that we have, uh, to simplify this, we have a chart of potential strain effects that can result uh, if the infection kind of kicks in. Uh, so you can roll on the chart if you want to look up the chart and roll on it. But to simplify it a little bit, on the character sheet, we just left kind of six slots on the character sheet. The first one is always you take physical damage. You just take some physical strain from the slight. But the other five are all uh, mostly uh, different types of alien behavior or compulsions. And the idea is that when you make the async, you pick some of those compulsions, because all asyncs basically have uh, alien behavior disorder now. Um, so you pick some of those compulsions and write them down on your character sheet, or better yet, you let some of the other players in your group pick them for you. Um, and uh, and so you just, every time you trigger that infection, you just roll a quick 1d6 and see which one of those compulsions kicks in. And then you have the option, those, those compulsions might be things that might really screw up your day. You know, you... One of the compulsions, for example, is uh, you must determine how something, the nearest thing to you, works by taking it apart. So I take Adam apart to see how he works. Yeah, um, uh, and uh, you have the option of overriding that compulsion, but then that triggers extra stress. <laughs> Not um, before the book's done, yo. Yeah. Um, uh, so this is meant to really try to, you know, uh, make asyncs be a little more creepy and weird, really, uh, you know, have that effect of the infection in the back of your head more omnipresent all the time. Um, and so far it seems to be going well in playtesting. Uh, you had your hand raised about yeah. that. Yeah. Are there mechanics for lowering your infection rating? Because yes. what you described sounds like, I think, a consumable character. Yes. So, uh, so there's a mechanic, there's a, a recharge mechanic for the pools. Uh, like twice a day you can uh, take a 10-minute rest and you get a 1d6 uh, roll to recharge pool points. Well, that same rest will also let you reduce your uh, infection. Uh, so your your infection rating will constantly be fluctuating uh, up and down each day. So the more you use it at, at, in a single day, the more you're likely to trigger alien behaviors <coughs> or, or bad effects. Is there like a minimum? Like you yes. Or yeah, so you're... Uh, I actually forget what is off the top of my head. I think it's uh, it's your it's your yeah. Well, it's your your side trait level times five uh, plus five for every side sheet slight you have. Uh, so you're going to start off with five, ten, thirty, uh, and that's your base. So that's the lowest you can get it, and it just goes up from there. Rob was running a DCC campaign for us when he decided <laughs> to start monkeying with the magic system and. There's <laughs> like a little bit of a little bit of influence there. Um, uh, so we haven't released the mesh uh, draft yet. It's still a work in progress. But I can tell you, like uh, as you can see, if you look at the quick start rules, like uh, we changed a little bit uh, brute force hacking. 
uh, is now something you can do immediately, like in one action turn. Uh, the idea that you throw your your suite of software exploit tools at the target and just runs down the list, throw, throws the whole everything it possibly can at the target. The target's going to be aware of what's happening. Uh, it's going to be harder to get in, but you can do it immediately. So that's something now that you can actually hack in combat and get a more immediate effect. Uh, you know, but they're going to know and have options for kicking you out of the system and stuff like that. Um, and then probing is still like it takes an hour, uh, but uh, it's more effective to do uh, if you're trying to get into a system easily. And then if you uh, if you get a superior success on your uh, on your hacking, you get security access. If you get two superior successes, you get admin access. So you get those sorts of privileges to do things on the system. You can also escalate your privileges if you need to. Um, there's a few other things we're t- tinkering with, like uh, no longer two tests for research roles and stuff like that. But mostly the stuff we're changing with mesh rules is uh, kind of uh, simplifying it, streamlining it, making it more clear what your options are once you're actually inside a system for subverting it. Uh, for people that don't have a information science, <laughs> computer science background, I guess. <laughs> um, uh, the other major change I think we've made with the system is like what I talked about before is simple, we got rid of uh, gear costs so everything has a complexity rating uh, so no matter whether you're nanofabricating it or using rep favors or using uh, credit um, it takes the same amount of time just to pay uh, to acquire it based on the complexity of the item so acquiring gear is really just a matter of time um, so it, it's meant to kind of get rid of shopping, and it's really a little more of a GM influence on the on the situation. Um, uh, anything else that I'm forgetting? Um, so, well, you wouldn't know this because I'm working on it, but uh, <laughs> pro- probably re-sleeving is going to be a bit less of a gauntlet. Like right now, um, right now for like an average character, there's a fairly low probability of them getting through the entire re-sleeving experience without something going wrong, um, which can make people reluctant to re-sleeve, which sucks, because like we wanted to be realistic about, there's a lot that can go wrong with having a new body, but it's supposed to be like the cool part of the game, so... Um, rather than having like separate alienation, integration, and continuity tests for resleeving like we have currently, um, we're going to kind of like condense that a bit so that there's less rolling. Like the overall probability of getting through it unscathed is a bit better. And if you do fail to get through it unscathed, like you're looking at, like, either an integration penalty or an alienation penalty or a continuity penalty, not, like, you know, possibly all three. Uh, this is a question from Goldie. Uh, both the GMs having this work point tool and sleeping. Um, in your say like, you could just get, like, new to midway through a mission and go out and get a new sleep. Like, you know, get a new block. Mm-hmm. Is... That morph point idea where the GMs have to purchase is that like an expended pool? Like I had three morph points, I spent three morph points. I died on that mission. I don't have any more morph points to spend. I don't have a morph points. Like it's diminishing returns. Okay. So like you might you might start off with six morph points, but then every time you resleeve, it goes. You know the GM will give you four for the next time, okay, things cool. like that, because you're you're using up your available resources for that sort of thing. Yeah. 
And at some point as a team, you might, like, if it's a firewall mission, you might have to be just like... I'm in it for Morph now. We have to, or, or, or like, we have to scratch this one. Because, like, we're, we're not able to source enough bodies to keep attempting it again. There, there's also, every Morph now has uh, two additional stats. There's a, uh, well, the ones that are exceptionally weird have a specific uh, modifier that applies, their exotic morphology modifier that applies when you're resleeving. Uh, so we, we gave that to all the specific morphs to make that a little bit more clear. And they all have uh, an availability rating that, uh, you know, the general availability of the morph. Like, Futuras are really hard to find, you know, uh, whereas cases are everywhere. So, like, if you're look- it's not just that you have those points to expand. You have to see if the specific habitat you're on has it. And the Game Master can apply modifiers, you know, if you're in the outback Neptunian Trojans somewhere, you know, like, they're probably not going to have many Olympians laying around. So you might have a minus 30 to your availability role for that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I was wondering, uh, one of the big problems I had in the first edition was measuring the, the, the opponents I was going to try and put into games because mm-hmm. you don't have, I'm, I'm not asking for like a full DD35 CR system, sure. right? That's crazy complicated. Yeah. <laughs> but I do need something more than nothing. As, have, you, sort of have you seen the system in X Risks? Yes, we did do that in X. Yes. This is why I'm crazy. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, that was just, you know, we just tried to keep it simple, just a, a four-color, you know, yellow, orange, red, ultraviolet, I think. Uh, just general way of kind of scanning how how it would measure up against the party. Uh, we'll include that in EP2 as well. Uh, one thing that, so uh, with the NPCs and threats in EP2, uh, MOOCs or... Generic monsters will just have a generic threat pool, uh, so that you know uh, just a number of times they can use, and the the GM gets to decide whether they can use that threat pool like vigor or like insight, depending on the specific morph they're in or their their capabilities. But just to keep that simple, specific named NPCs or bosses will still have the full range of pools like PCs do. Um, you had mentioned that there was going to be, you know, not obviously like a blow up the universe and start over as far as the setting goes, but do you, can you give us anything like, you know, what things are changing in the setting? There, there's only like one significant setting change we've made uh, is that we uh, we moved uh, the space elevator on Mars from Olympus to Pavonis Mons, uh, just because it makes more realistic sense to be there. Uh, so uh, Olympus City is gone. Uh, that's about it. Uh, I think we're going to move the, uh, what is it called, Tyche, the ninth planet. Uh, we're moving that a little closer in, probably, since it's probably, if it exists, it might be more. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, there, there, it, some studies seem to indicate that there might be a planet out there, but then the more recent stuff seems to indicate that there might not be. But I think for now, we're just going to keep that planet in, but we're going to move it closer. Uh, but uh, I don't think we're making many other significant setting changes. There's some things like, uh, you know, in the first edition of the game, we had nanoecologists in EREP and stuff like that, and we ended up not really doing much with that, with the source books or following through with that. So we kind of were downplaying those factions, and that reputation is out, and we replaced it with XREP for gate crashing. Um, uh, so some factions will be a little more predominant than previously. Um, 
You know, like we, uh, we're not encouraging people to play ultimates right off the bat. You still can. It's very easy. You just change your motivation. You know, say you have ultimate faction motivation if you want. We'll but, do the Sabbat book for them. Yeah, one of these but, days. Yeah. but we made them a little more of a, of a threat faction since the original book. So don't really want to be encouraging people to play ultimates necessarily but they are absolutely playable like yeah. we, we had a few people be like you can't play ultimates anymore and we're just like yeah. we're just not saying play an ultimate like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but you know if you want to be an ultimate yeah be an ultimate. if you want to be an exhuman you could yeah. <laughs> do that uh any other questions how much time we got okay yeah we like 15 minutes 15 minutes still yeah what would you say are the best resources to look at if you want to play in the Eclipse phase setting but not as final or thing? Like what if you want to run like a Ghost in the Shell Section 9 or um, uh, Organized Criminals or... Like which of our source books or... or um... For crime, Panopticon is really useful just to understand... <laughs> how surveillance, security, and social networks can play into um, everything from fraud uh, to actually stealing stuff. Um, the, uh, the adventure of the devotees uh, is one that we've done that provides a lot of detail on a one specific criminal faction, but I think also kind of gives a picture of what some of these like Antigua type criminal havens might might look like um, and uh, for gate crashing campaigns obviously there's there's, there's gate crashing for exploration um, have you got anything on espionage in Netflix hmm uh, not directly there's a little bit of stuff like in the firewall book about some of the other you know, like firewall equivalent factions and kind of like their relations to each other. Um, Transhuman has the firewall playbook, right? Yeah, that has some. That has some trade crafty goodness yeah. in it. Um, and again, Panopticon does a good job of explaining how surveillance works, which is very important for the flip side of that, which is beating surveillance. <laughs> so you need to and uh, you want to wait to get four books or second, second edition four books. Uh, what in your back catalog would be a good thing as a game master or a player? Oh. Uh, it's a little bit tricky. So as a game master, the first book I would always recommend would probably be X-Risk because it has all the threats and it has like a good selection of monsters, like specific monsters and stuff to throw at. Uh, but that's their EP1 stats. So for EP2, you'll have to do some work to convert them. Uh, it shouldn't be too much work. Like, even with the rules stuff, you know, like, most of our source books are, like, 95% source material and 5% rules, you know, like, sample characters in the back and stuff. Converting that rules section, that rules section is still, like, 80% compatible, I would say. Um, if you're familiar with EP1, it shouldn't be too hard to, like, you know, look at the old skill and say, okay, now this is this skill. Or say, you know, oh, this is this type of weapon, it has this type of damage now, because some of the weapon and armor stats have changed. Um, we have changed, uh, you know, some of the traits have changed. We have a, a, a longer selection of size slights now um, that have a wider range of uses. Uh, so some of that stuff will need a little tweaking. But for GMs, I would always say x first, uh, just because I think that's a very useful book for that sort of thing. 
for a player, um, it's tricky. Uh, if you're doing a firewall campaign, I would say firewall because knowing how that group works is pretty good. Uh, but there's also some GM info in there that you might not want them to have. <laughs> um, for uh, for general setting, uh, inner room word or sun word, depending on where you're focused. Uh, and I think Panopticon is often overlooked as being a really useful book because especially like knowing how habitats work and stuff like that because being a science fiction game it's very difficult for a lot of people to kind of understand uh, you know people aren't don't necessarily know how a tourist habitat is like whereas everyone knows what a castle is like for a fantasy game and we accidentally yeah. lied when we said we were totally sold out of that last year because he found some in the closet yeah it's true. so we have some at the booth yeah <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. We don't have EP core. Any the first edition core is gone. The last few copies that were in my closet are gone. <laughs> um, as yeah. as we move into to the wrap up here, uh, we do have a bunch of sales on at the booth. Um, we have a deal where any three hardcovers are 125 bucks, and Transhuman Morph Recognition Guide or and the modifier and morph cards are on pretty deep discount, and Shinobi Clans is on a deep discount too. So if you want to pick anything up for your friends or extra copies for you, if you just haven't picked that stuff up at the booth, um, this is the year to do it because we are we're downsizing some of the back stock this year. Yeah, yeah. Um, two of the books that are not super mechanically useful anymore, Transhuman and the Morph Recognition Guide, are also on sale. And if you buy a bunch of stuff, you get a free bag with an octomorph on it <laughs> that you can take to the grocery store when you get home. I'm and the grocer to- will be like, the fuck is this? And you'll be like, long story. I'm totally <laughs> going to start picking up my CSA box with an octo bag. I think one of the recent Kickstarters had as a stretch goal like setting up an Eclipse Face 40 or something like that. Wiki, yes. wiki, wiki. We, we, um, did that fun? I can't remember. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and we do, yeah, so something we're still working on, but once we finish the EP2 book, all that stuff will be, everything from the core book will be online in the wiki. The idea is to make it like, you know, like the Pathfinder SRD, to make it something easy to look up rules quickly online for players. Okay. Yeah. That, that would be super helpful. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you're, but something else that would be super useful would be like an art gallery with tag images. So when you're as a GM, yes. you want to show specific <laughs> This is also something we have in the works. And we've actually had that hope in the works for a while and just haven't had the time to commit to it because actually putting all those art files together is a pain. Uh, but we do actually want to put a lot of our stuff online. I do keep a Pinterest uh, Pinterest.com slash Eclipse Phase. Uh, I use it primarily for art reference when I'm assigning art notes to and artists. handbags. He loves uh, handbags. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but if you're ever looking for art references, like, I, it's not all Eclipse Phase stuff, but it's a lot of stuff that I personally use for reference when assigning, you know, stuff I have in mind for how Eclipse Phase should look. Um, so, uh, it is useful. Uh, but we do plan on getting a lot of those images up as well. Yeah, that's true. Um, Don't you want to know about handbags? Yeah. <laughs> um, is there going to, kind of piggyback off what you mentioned about X-Risks, is there going to be, like, an update for, like, an official update for, like, these are the new stats for those things, or is there going to be, like, an X-Risk second edition or anything like that? We will do kind of a simplified conversion guide for characters and NPCs and stuff. Honestly, it's probably going to be easier to just remake a character using the new rules if you want to, you know, for PCs. Um, X-Risk kind of depends. We're not 100% sure what we're going to do with that at this point, if we're going to just redo another monster book down the line, or if we might reprint it with updated stats. That is to be determined. Um, 
Are there any major changes to the, uh, uh, pretty much whenever I'm looking for a new audio book, I just go to the back of the Space Core book and just look up science fiction books I haven't read before. <laughs> um, so in the last seven, eight years, have there been any like, major additions to things that inspire the, the fiction? Sure. Mm. Yeah, that's something we should update. I don't know if we assigned a page for that. Yeah, I don't know if we have room for that in the Core book <laughs> I now. I don't think we did. It's, it's looking like the core book's going to be probably like 432 pages, which means we managed to not grow it too much over the first edition, yeah. which is a... That might be something that would go in the wiki, you know, and then we would just try to update it. But, I mean... Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a lot of the same authors, like Kim Stanley Robinson and, and all those guys. Uh, Expanse, obviously. Uh, what else? Um... What's been most recent on your list, reading-wise? Uh, uh, Wikipedia. <laughs> and I, I'm blanking. Sorry. Um. All I've read this year is immigration documents. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think I've particularly read anyone new. Uh, except Corey, I hadn't read any of the Expanse books before. Uh, so the, those have been good. I've only got through the first one so far. But... Uh, yeah, I have to expand my list actually because I haven't gotten much reading in this past year. <coughs> <laughs> uh, you had a question? Uh, yeah, to, uh, uh, I was just curious about the uh, singularity. You want to handle that? Or? Yeah, so um, Singularity is not going to scale to 2E. Um, Kyle, who's been working on Singularity, is, um, you know, kind of, he's he's moved on <laughs> from that. Um, so we are looking at what options uh, are possibly out there for 2E. And um, what we're really interested in doing, if we can find the right partner for it, is going more in a mobile app direction uh, rather than a, rather than a desktop program. If we did that, um, we would we would want to find somebody who can work with us on supporting like both Droid and iOS. Um, we definitely wouldn't do like one or the other. Like it would it would need to be both. Um, because we don't want to be involved in that kind of religious war. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, so we're, we're, we have our ears open about options there. Uh, we didn't try to do it as a Kickstarter stretch goal because frankly we didn't have any contacts for the right person to work with. Um, you know. A couple leads. Yeah, yeah. Um, we have some ideas. We we we've, we have done a preliminary talk with the the Lone Wolf people for Hero Lab stuff, and they basically were like, "Yeah, get back to us closer when the book's out," which is fair. And uh, but they're going to be busy with Starfinder. Yeah, they have a big Starfinder update. Yeah. Speaking of inspirational texts, by the way, Starfinder lists Eclipse Phase in their list of inspirational texts. <laughs> that's, that's what we get for trading books with them every yeah. year for years and years. So uh, one thing you didn't mention about Singularity is that we're probably going to be open sourcing it and just releasing it. And uh, 
Maybe yeah. some folks out there that want to keep it going and make it look prettier, because <laughs> that was something we were not good at. <laughs> yeah. Um, or applying EP2 if they want to do the, the data sets for it. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other, you know, the other thing is with the new character generation, it is so much simpler. Yeah. It is so much simpler. Um, you, yeah, you, you don't, you don't need a character generator the way that you did to make, like, for, um, like, uh, for all of the, all the con adventures that I wrote up until the transhuman, um, Kickstarter, uh, I used, uh, our, Y'all know Kendalos, our former, our former, uh, well, I used his spreadsheet for a really long time. Um, and then once we had Singularity, I always used Singularity. I have never made a 1E character with pen and pencil. Like, <laughs> and actually, even when we first started playing within like, within like a few weeks of the first test campaign that I was doing before the game even was out, somebody in my group had nerded out and made a spreadsheet sort for it. So I have never sat there with pen and pencil and made one. I've made all the papers by pen and pencil. And <laughs> uh, for 2E, um, like, I've, that's changed. <laughs> I'm just like, Oh, okay. Like, I might use Excel to do some adding because I'm, like, sort of math challenged, but, like, it's so much easier now. <laughs> like, there's, there's a lot less need for it than there was. I like crunchy rules. I like Roll Master. <laughs> so you can probably see where I get some of my influence. <laughs> but. Uh, everyone, it is 5 o'clock, so we have um, reached the end of our time in this room. Uh, so if anyone has any last questions, you can totally... You, you don't need to handle tickets, no worries. Um, someone comes in and counts people very quietly. Um, if anyone any, wants any last questions, we'll hang around for a few minutes until people come in and take the room. Um, of course, we'll be at the booth the rest of the day and tomorrow. Uh, if anyone wants to come out, hang out, play some games if you haven't played the, the demos yet. And um, yeah, we check, have demos running. At check the out our half hour. glorious and luxurious sales as well. Thanks for coming, everyone. Thank yeah. you. See you next year. Do we have? Do any of you guys have business cards? <laughs>